Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. We're not experts, but today I'm here with Anaga. Uh, Anaga, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, guys. My name's Anaga. Um, I'm going to the 10th grade, and this stuff like really interests me. So I wanted to thank Garv for like even inviting me to doing this. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. And today we will be discussing the reopening of schools, um, specifically like high schools and like um, grade schools. And we might get a little bit into like the college realm, but um, reopening schools is an issue that very much impacts us because now that Georgia's um, pretty high in cases, it's becoming somewhat of a hot spot. A lot of schools are reassessing how they're going to um, facilitate learning inside the classroom or at home, remote learning. So today we're going to discuss some of the ins and outs of that. Um, Anaga, is there anything you wanted to start with? I was just going to give like a general outline of what's happening. It's like all of like the reassessment of like the school year is mainly because of Trump wanting to reopen schools, like demanding. Mm-hmm. And where he's coming from is kind of, for lack of like not smart. I know what he wants, but it's not smart at all because he wants it since everyone else is. Mm-hmm. But I don't really agree with that. Yeah, yeah. But I do understand the pros of opening again. Since I can agree that physical attendance would be better for the students learning compared to completely online. Mm -hmm. But the risk of COVID at this moment in this country is not worth easier learning, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think another thing that we're going to see is specifically right now, our cases have been rising exponentially, especially like our case per day count. So I think once schools open, we're going to see another like... Uh, wave per se like we're going to see a lot more cases a very high uptick in cases especially among young adults and kind of the the problem with that is that we also have like um, that's going to make it a longer time because there are some students who have a responsibility to stay at home because their parents are health care providers and it's going to make it harder for those kids to learn down the line you know um, and I think that mm-hmm. if we were to switch to online learning we could definitely um, I guess kind of vanquish this beast um, earlier than if we did like completely in person. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, it's smart in this current state that we do online. Like, it's completely it'll eliminate further cases from school aged children. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I believe, at least. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's the thing is, if students do go back, it's not. I mean, yeah, they will still might could get like minor symptoms, but it's more of a risk for the older adults living in the same household as these children, like these kids, parents, grandparents that they could spread to and possibly hospitalize them. For sure. And I think, yeah, another at risk group is teachers, right? Because um, you, have a, very, oh, yes. you yeah. have a very big age gradient among teachers. Um, the teachers are going to interact with these kids all day. They're going to interact with a lot of different groups of kids that so they particularly are at risk. And I think that um, kind of what this administration, what um, governments state, uh, governments nationwide are doing with reopening schools, it's a little bit foolish as far as, as that goes. Because the thing is, this COVID, um, it, it might not affect that many people, right? Like, it's not going to... It's not gonna kill. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna kill like a high percentage of people. But the thing is, it is gonna kill a lot of people because it's gonna affect infect a lot of people. 
Um, and since every death is like, every death is a tragedy. So I think going through all the steps we can to prevent that includes trying to switch to a more feasible remote learning plan. Hey guys, Future Carve here. I believe I said that COVID would not affect people if it didn't kill them, and that's not what I meant. Um, I do want to bring up some, bring some attention to the fact that COVID can affect you, um, even if you do not die from it. Like it can, it can cause um, severe respiratory issues throughout the rest of your life. Um, it's a really serious thing, and just getting it, um, even if you don't die from it, complications aren't uncommon. So we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can, and I believe that was kind of my point here. Now, back to the podcast. I agree. It's just, as we can always you saw, like, the past school year, it was, like, very new to them, but I hope that it's not the same as that last one, because that was very, how do I say it? It's, like, very scuffed, if that makes sense. Like, they could do better, and if it's not, like, if it's different from that old system, I think it would be better for students learning. At least on my case. I don't know how it is for you. I'm just generalizing. No, yeah, I totally agree. And I think that kind of another thing that's different this time is last time the the COVID response is a bit rushed. And this time they've had the whole summer to prepare. And mm-hmm. it's, it's true that COVID has been kind of um, unreliable. But I think we all should have seen this coming just based on um, the kind of legislation, the kind of response we've had to this virus. So I think that schools definitely have more time to plan this time around. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, it should be easier to transfer to remote learning and not more difficult. I agree. If they give more like tools and options for these students to make learning easier, since I do understand that it would be harder to learn from home instead of with the teacher, I think that they should give more options from what they did last time, if, yeah. Yeah, and I think that for some students, the best the best options might be um, like an in-person option because they might have difficulty learning online. And I think that what a lot of schools are trying to do is have some people online and some people in person. But I think that really trying to optimize that online aspect um, is something that is ever more important. And I think that the default should be the online aspect rather than the in-person aspect. Like I know at my school, I see that a lot of people are deciding to go back to school in person, which I, I guess I understand, but I don't think it's very smart to um, to go back in person with this, with this big threat of COVID. And I don't think um, many people are gonna get it until people are affected by it, unfortunately. I understand, like I completely, I think it is smart at this point to for more students to do the online option. Because I understand if the United States had less cases, it wouldn't be understandable to go back. But at this current state, it would not be smart to go back. Especially because cases are on the rise, like still right now. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, cases are, uh, like, there's more and more new cases every day. Like, um, thousands at this point. Yeah, yeah, even tens of thousands. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't think, I think schooling schooling we were gonna see like a big wave of a wave of cases anyway regardless of whether there was a high case number or a low case number and now just Mm -hmm. by virtue of the unique position that we're put in by um the exponential increase of these cases it really just makes it all the more important to have a remote learning plan for school because 
if a lot of schools are saying that in case of crisis, we'll go online. But if this isn't a crisis, then what is, you know? I completely understand. It's like, what are schools doing to help the students with online? Because it just, for me at least, it seems like they just, they're making it seem as if it's such a small, minor issue when it really is not. It's a very big issue. That's at least what I feel. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't I didn't like how schools are doing it right now, at least. Like, how they're planning. Yeah. Yeah. On returning to school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, another thing that we probably should consider and discuss on the podcast is that um, this the switch to remote learning um, is more important for, like, high-income or, like, middle-class students who may have... Uh, more resources to deal with this kind of thing because a lot of times low-income resources are less likely to have access to things like private instruction and technology mm-hmm. the adequate technology to attend these classes properly um, and they're more likely to rely on like school supported resources like food programs or um, counseling mm-hmm. and even like uh, if you think about special education kids um, this is pretty harmful to them so I think that while a hybrid learning program is good, it should definitely be like, mm-hmm. it should be something where all the students that that can should go online and all the students that need to be in person should be in person, you know, because that kind of instruction oh, agree, yeah. should only, in-person instruction should only be afforded to the select few who really need it, like low-income students, I agree. Mm-hmm. special education students, students with disabilities, things like that. I agree. I like if you do have the resources to online, you would not only be going towards decreasing coronavirus cases, but you would also give more opportunities to those who are not as fortunate. Yeah. And I think another thing that we have to consider is that the people who need in-person schooling Mm -hmm. are also probably the people who are going to be most vulnerable to COVID. Like um, COVID is disproportionately affecting a lot, a lot of minority communities and a lot of low income communities Mm-hmm. Um, for the same reasons that these people need to um, get instruction in person because they don't necessarily have the resources to either deal with COVID and, or deal with online instruction, which is all the more reason why, if you can, you should go online, in my opinion. But then again, it would also it could also contribute to coronavirus if the students do return, this if you like, look at it on the hindsight of it. That's true. Because you could... And, mm-hmm. and I think that um, a solution to that is like... If you have places like uh, schools with adequate funding, then they could p- afford resources to the lower income students, mm-hmm. you know, because like, um, let's say a school is, uh, has enough funding to give laptops to every student for like a year, right? Maybe mm-hmm. ask, survey the students as to whether or not they have a computer at home and then give the students mm-hmm. who might not have a computer, might not have those kinds of resources, the resources they need to Uh, commute to class online and learn online because they're the people that need help more it's a it's a it's a gradient really i completely agree so it would actually be better for the schools to do that like for their own gain Mm -hmm. because i know that's probably what they care about let's be honest but because if they could also save money on like technology and sorts of stuff like that if they do surveys and like get the exact amount of things they need instead of either getting too much or getting too little and like harming the students in the process of doing that. Mm-hmm. So um, 
I think I totally agree with you there. And I think that um, a really important thing in this whole situation is what we can do, what communities can do to support these schools to um, mm-hmm. either transition to remote learning or reopen safely. So I think schools schools are very essential to um, to a community because they provide like safe spaces for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they provide a lot of education for kids. So we know that schools can reopen safely if we we can lessen the rate of COVID-19. So um, if you are deciding to go to school in person, please wear a mask. <laughs> please. Uh, even if you're not, <laughs> wear a mask every time you go outside. Try to try to keep six feet distance from anyone you can. If we're Robert Redfield said that if we're able to wear a mask for like um, four to no like three to, four to eight weeks maybe. Oh, I thought it was months. Like oh, anyways, yeah. We could completely um, like stop coronavirus. Is that what he said? I heard about that too. Yeah, and even if it doesn't stop coronavirus, like it'll definitely lessen the cases a lot, mm-hmm. and it'll allow children to go back to school safely because that's one of the more flexible things, right? Because mm-hmm. um, children are less at risk, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you probably have teachers who have built up some sort of immunity to this virus <laughs> just by being around kids mm-hmm. uh, in general. So if we're if we're able to reduce the caseload of coronavirus, like uh, if we're able to reduce it from what it is now, like by, by a ton, I guess, by like tens of thousands of cases, then I think we'll see a lot less effect of the coronavirus on schools, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you know, if, is your school um, mandating, like, a mask policy? Because I know mine is, where they're, for, like, it's required to wear a mask within the school building. See, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my school is is a private school, and they are saying that they will have, like, mandatory mask policies. Mm-hmm. Like, well, the thing is, they haven't really said explicitly that they're going to have a mandatory mm-hmm. mask okay. policy, but they've said that, uh, they've said that they're going to make everyone mask and um, disinfect in not so many words. But I'm concerned that a lot of times, a lot of times people get tired of these things and they start to become a little lax on these things. Yeah, I agree. So I'm afraid, I'm afraid that students will either not take this seriously, especially with the political climate right mm-hmm. now. There's a lot of um, negative attitudes toward masking in general. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, like. You might have kids that get fatigued and just stop wearing masks and teachers that stop caring. Mm-hmm. So I think that wearing masks is a good thing and mandating masks is a good thing, but only if it's properly enforced, you know? And I, I don't know if I have enough faith in the school system. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. Maybe maybe in the students of my school and uh, my school in general to enforce that for long enough just because it's fatiguing, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree. It's like schools can't even like keep up with normal school rules most of the time so i don't understand how they're gonna keep up with covid things at this point like they can't even contain small like flu outbreaks or lice outbreaks how are they going to contain a whole like what is this coronavirus how are they going to do that like it's not as easy as they're making it seem (laughs) so yeah it's like uh, it's more infectious than both of Mm -hmm. those things so um, another thing is like what I'm hoping my school will do. I'm not really sure yet, uh, but I'm hoping my school will um, kind of mark off chairs that people can sit in so that people can social distance properly. Because mm-hmm. you know I know that um, especially at our age, like we're very social people. I agree. Yeah. Um, in high school, and that 
a lot of times we want to sit with people or that we want to sit next to people. And I'm, I'm really hoping that uh, that can be limited as much as possible. As good as it is to get the social interaction, that can be dangerous as far as the coronavirus goes. So I'm hoping that social distancing will be uh, a very big theme in, um, in the enforcing of rules regarding COVID-19 at schools. Is your school working at half capacity for physical attendance? Because that's how mine is, where they're only allowing... It's working by like a last name system. It's where kids through a group of, like, I think it's A through N goes one day, and then N through the rest of the alphabet go one day. I think that's how... Um. So... Yeah. That's that's actually really smart. That's how mine's working. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if we are doing that. So, uh, what I've heard so far is that you can choose whether to go back to school or not to go back to school. So, like, you have that choice. And if you decide not to go back to school, then you have to stay online for the whole semester. And if you do go back to school, then you can uh, you can choose to go home um, for some crisis that you have to discuss with the administration. Oh. Um, so I'm not really sure how it's going to work. It's been pretty cryptic this far. Um, so I'm actually, I'm trying to read the plan right now. So yeah, face masks are required on campus. Mm -hmm. Um, social distancing is necessary. Um, health screenings will take place daily. Um, groups, like small groups are necessary. Visitors and guests will be limited. Sharing of materials will be limited and discouraged. Um, Cleaning and disinfecting will happen, uh, campus-wide cleaning and disinfecting will happen frequently. Um, students, staff, and faculty who test positive have to isolate and quarantine according to the CDC and DPH guidelines. Education um, on the plan and its corresponding policies and procedures will be provided for employees and students. So it's a pretty good plan. Mm -hmm. I don't think they have um, anything like the half-and-half half plan, and I think a little bit of that might be because we are a smaller school, but... I do think that's a really good plan, and that that might be a really smart thing for schools to do. You know, mm -hmm. just cohorting and trying to limit the amount of people to increase distance is a good idea. I agree, because because what they're trying to implement at least at my school is where it's always going to be like a fifty percent population, like max. So like if the cafeteria is like a max of something, they're going to go half of that in like every area of the building. So if a classroom is like what is it like thirty students, they would always cut it at fifteen. I think that's what my school's doing. So they're just, they're trying as hard as they can to maximize as much as kids can go there, but at a, at the same time, keeping it safe. So. Mm -hmm. Also, how are this? I think that. Oh, you can go. Oh, wait. I'm, I'm, I just want to talk about lunchtime for a second. Okay. So I don't really know how they're going to do lunchtime because lunchtime, like, there's a lot of people in the same room. Like, you've got lunch lines. Um, so I, I'm kind of interested to see how that'll pan out. I think it'll be easier if there are less people at school, but um, at least at my school, like all of the high school leads at the same time, you know. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering how how that's going to take place. At my school, they're doing it where they you eat in your classroom. So I yeah, where they only do it half capacity in the classroom, and if the students gotcha. are eating school lunches, I think. I'm not 100% on this. I think they go social distancing. They go to the lunchroom, get their lunch, and then walk back. I think that's how they're going to do it, but I'm not 100%. That's pretty smart, actually. Like, I think that eating in classrooms is probably the best. Because 
the cafeteria can't possibly accommodate all the people mm-hmm. while still social distancing. It can so I think that, a good population amount, but it couldn't do all of it. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely at, at my school, definitely not the whole high school. So I think that um, splitting the kids up into classrooms is also like a really good idea. Um, and I think that I think that if we are going to do a hybrid plan, then the remote learning plan needs to be emphasized, but also we need to make sure that we're implementing proper guidelines at school. How are your like in-school screenings going to work? Because what my school is mandating is where they're wanting students to like take precautions at home and at school. I think that's what they were saying. Or they want you to like make sure you don't have any symptoms, don't have COVID itself before coming to school. And if you do show symptoms of COVID at school, they're going to evaluate you at this like at the nursing building in the school and then make like make a decision whether you're going to go home or not. How is that working at your school? Um, so I think health screenings are going to take place um, through a questionnaire that's going to be filled out um, daily, I think. Um, and then the families also mm-hmm. have to attest daily that the students are symptom-free. Um, so basically, it's like uh, a ten-question or a nine-question questionnaire, um, and you have to have mm-hmm. like you have to answer no for all the questions. And it's some the questionnaire has uh, questions like uh, do you, does your child have a fever? Does your child have a cough? Does your child have a sore throat, etc. Um, and I think if if a person is exhibiting any signs of illness, is going to be isolated and sent home uh, with their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be, I think it's going to be a little bit of an eyeball thing because um, I don't know if we are going to, I don't know if we're going to do testing, or we're definitely not going to do testing on campus, or I don't know if we're going to send kids to do testing like for COVID at the hospital, which is pretty close to the school. Um, but I think that it's mm-hmm. generally just going to be like a questionnaire and kind of a, a verbal testimony type thing or a written testimony. I don't know if it's just me, but I don't think a questionnaire would be trustworthy because you know people, they, I mean, I'm not going to speak for everything, but some people, some families will lie just to have their student go to school Mm -hmm. since it could be easier on the family because, you know, everyone's going through some financial problems Mm -hmm. right now. So you never know. Like, it could always go the wrong way, even though it has good intentions. Yeah, I think that... That um, makes sense. I don't know. A questionnaire could be a little bit untrustworthy for sure. And by the nature of my school, my school mm-hmm. is a private school. We generally have high and middle income people. So I feel like mm-hmm. I understand those people are like, I don't know. I feel like they're not less likely to lie on a questionnaire than, than other people, you know. That's true. And mm-hmm. I feel like, I don't know, the questionnaires definitely are, I, I understand it's a shaky foundation, but I guess that's just kind of the boat that the administration has put us in. Mm-hmm. I think at this point, we have to put faith in the school system for trying to keep the students safe because it's up to them extremely, like, enforcing these rules because you know how school systems can be where they just let some yeah. things go yeah. a lot of the time. It's like these 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 one set of rules have to be enforced yeah. strongly. That's what we have to push these school systems Right, to and do. then also, like, disciplinary actions will have to be undertaken differently because a lot of times discipline comes mm-hmm. in the form of, like, a detention or something. And uh, If you have, like, mm-hmm. detention that's, like, in person with the teacher where you have to, like, um, go do work for the school, um, that kind of thing mm-hmm. would probably have to be 
um, discouraged or lessened a little bit just because yeah, that's just a, to maintain yeah. distance, you know. You want to lessen, exactly. You want to have as least contact with other people. So I don't think detention and all of these things would be wise at this point. Maybe <laughs> online detention, but that wouldn't yeah. be as it wouldn't give a long lasting effect yeah. on a student. So, uh, on the topic of remote learning, I want to know what your opinions are on, like, how to prevent things, like, um, one, like, what do you think are the faults with the remote learning, and what do you think are the pros with remote learning, and secondly, uh, what do you think could be achieved to maybe better the remote learning, um, the remote learning policies that your school has instituted? I think remote learning at this point, I think it's pretty good, it's just... My thing that I have with it, because I'm a better in-person learner, that's what was really hard with me last time when we had to learn new material, because I like to ask questions. Like, I actually like it when someone's there to ask, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm the same way. Think that's, I think that would be a con of online system, online learning. But I, to better it, I think they could, I don't know, Zoom was okay, but I think they should just give better ways to make it seem as if the whole class is there with you when they really aren't if that makes yeah. sense yeah more engaging yeah more engaging that's that's the whole because whenever it's online school people students can get discouraged extremely fast mm-hmm. it was really apparent last time some students didn't even do the work so it's i think it's more of encouraging students engaging with students keeping them more I'm not going to say entertained, but more invested in the learning compared yeah. to last time's online where it was just like, do this work, submit it, do this work, submit it. If that makes sense. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And I think yeah. that um, especially with like, um, we have pretty small classes and even then a lot of kids were getting mm-hmm. um, discouraged with uh, the nature of the work they were doing and the nature of the of the classes they were taking because we weren't able to necessarily interact with each other as much. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's definitely a major uh, pitfall with remote learning is you have to make sure you're keeping your students um, invested, like you said, in the, in the classes. Another thing mm-hmm. that I was thinking is like, um, there will probably, there's going to be an issue in how teachers will handle like, um, cheating specifically because mm-hmm. that's if, what, yeah. If you do decide to go in remote learning, if you have like a multiple choice question, those kinds of things specifically can be looked up very easily. Um, and I agree. You you might see like higher grades from people who uh, teachers might think maybe not necessarily deserve them, but um, also higher grades from everyone in general, just because. Um, just because remote learning is easier to it's easier to bypass the rules. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, you can take like measures to try to prevent cheating, but from a student's point of view, it's you can't always completely stop cheating. It'll always be there, especially since it's online. You can always. I don't know how teachers would do it. Like I know on Canvas, for example, they have a security option where it tells you if they left the tab or not it's just things like that where students it's just it's just the nature of students to cheat that's just something that'll be inevitable if that makes sense i know you should try to prevent it but you won't always completely 
prevent it. Yeah, and I think that a little bit more of a creative approach is trying to create questions that students maybe might not be able to cheat on, you know? Like oh, that's true, yeah. Questions. Um, but <laughs> my fear with that is that I think we might see, like, much harder material being taught. Um, or much yeah, easier. harder than it's necessary, really... yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, <laughs> I don't know, I'm... I'm conflicted on that because I think that well, if while giving harder material to kids might pre- prevent cheating, it'll also um, it'll also hinder some kids in being able to learn because that's very discouraging. Especially if you don't cheat, um, if you don't cheat, then you're at a disadvantage, right? Mm-hmm, so it's, completely. So it's definitely quite a conundrum for teachers um, with remote learning specifically because when you're in person, you can definitely monitor children a lot better. Mm-hmm. I agree. So I want also, to ask you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go. I. It was really. You go ahead. So <laughs> I wanted. I do this with all the guest hosts I bring on. So I wanted to ask you how COVID has affected your life. Um, I think you've explained to us pretty well how it's affected um, your life in school. But how has it affected your life otherwise? I mean, <laughs> it's kind of sad. But I'm, I was like never really that social of a person. But COVID really, like, really is, really makes me bored. Like, it, it, being in the house for this long of a time doing the same thing every day is, like, uh, I don't know how to say, I don't know if this is sensitive or not, where it's, like, really straining on my, like, mental health, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't want to say. Yeah, totally understandable. It's, like, because sometimes being, talking to someone in real life, other than your family, obviously, is, like, good for people. It's just being at home, staying home and not doing anything every day is just really unhealthy, I think. I know I can do go out and do stuff. I don't know. That's just how I feel. I could be yeah, more active doing other things, but I, I just haven't, which is something that's on totally my part. totally understandable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, like, I think that while being inside, like, my mental health has suffered as well. Because mm-hmm. it's been it's been kind of weird trying to find stuff to do because normally in the summer I'd be going out with my friends like mm-hmm, right now exactly. specifically I'd probably be I'd probably be driving everywhere and being able to go to the mall and mm-hmm, stuff exactly yeah uh, and watch movies but uh, now I can't do that and I think that uh, an important thing to do is kind of figure out what what you can do I guess to keep yourself occupied mm-hmm. like for me a big thing is like working out you know but mm-hmm. you can only you can only do that so much to where it's healthy and then... but on the but on the pro side of this you can if it does since you do have a lot of your like alone time at least for me i got to work on myself on like yeah, I don't know, like on my insecurities and all how to make myself a better person since i've had all of this alone time because you know yeah like social media and all of these things can really affect people in their self-perception and their self-confidence so I do mm-hmm. think in the same way that it does negatively impact people, I think it can also positively impact people by making them, I don't know, like self-love, self-improvement, and all of those things, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think yeah. especially near the beginning of the summer, we saw a lot of these like Instagram challenges and stuff, at least mm-hmm. I did. And it was a lot about self-love, and that was just something that was really encouraging to see. Mm-hmm. I think that exactly. COVID has kind of allowed people to come together as a community over the mm-hmm. internet um, and allow the internet to be used in a way that it really, it had the potential to be used, but 
it's never really been used in this way before. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's like COVID is a very big negative, but from this negative, there's a lot of positive things that did happen in the community and to people personally. That's what I believe. I'm not saying that COVID's good at all. I'm just saying it has opened people's minds to other things. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And kind of going back to the topic of school, um, I'm kind of glad that that I'm, I don't want to say I'm glad that COVID hit, but I want to say mm-hmm. that I'm glad that COVID hit, especially at this this time, because we we as a civilization, um, like schools, have the resources to deal with it, have the resources to go remote um, more than we ever have before. So I think that um, for us, it has been a lesson in disaster preparedness, and it's mm-hmm. also it's also been a particularly good time to deal with this kind of crisis because we have computers, we have video calling, like, um, I can talk to you and you're like miles away from my house. So like Mm -hmm. that kind of, these kind of technology has been adapted to learning. And I think that schools while being, uh, I guess rushed for time have done a decently good job with using the technology they have to adapt to the situation. Mm -hmm, I agree. On the note of community, you know how in the recent, not even weeks, months, how American systems have been outed of being corrupt, as you may know, on the topic of corrupt, of the corrupt education system, how do you think that'll work? Do you think there will be implemented change on the note of uh, returning to school? That's... I think that the kind of change that we want to happen is either going to have it's going to have to come from schools because mm-hmm. um, currently the education secretary Betsy DeVos she's not mm-hmm. really going to do anything with schools she's not a fan of public schools she likes charter schools better um, mm-hmm. she's not concerned about COVID in the slightest um, mm-hmm. she made a, a bit of a a bit of a morbid remark about how only like only a few students are going to die of COVID, I think point, that's the gist of what she said. Point one percent, like, isn't she said? Yeah, yeah. Still like forty thousand children, isn't it? That Something number like is, that? is an extremely mm-hmm. high number. So, mm-hmm. I think that the the prerogative to um, to change schooling for COVID nineteen is not going to come from the national administration. It's going to have to come from um, either the local administration or schools themselves, um, mm-hmm. especially. Uh, with private schools, they're obviously going to decide on their own things, but public schools are going to have to push for for change with their local legislature and the national legislature. And I think that um, also a lot of that um, initiative can come from students. Students can can ask their um, their school leadership and their their state uh, legislature to to do things about schooling because that's that's mm-hmm. all right. You know, I agree setting up like campaigns protesting i do agree because change won't just happen you'll have to fight for this change so yeah i think definitely change is going to have to come from from us as students and although it's kind of um a lot of people might think it's too early for us to have so much responsibility i think i think Mm -hmm. it, it always has been our responsibility to um, exactly it's like not to, our fault that you're not teaching the right things in school <laughs> so yeah. it's been it's been our responsibility to um to ask 
for school reform and to ask for things that we want at school. And I think that uh, change starts with change starts with you. You know, whether you're uh, whether you're a parent of a child who's going to school, whether you're a child who's going to school, whether you're um, a school administrator, a teacher, um, a person in the state legislature, a voter. Um, you can always go vote. That's always a good way to voice your concerns. You can also write letters to state legislature. Like, no matter what, the initiative has to come from you, and you are the only one that can make that change. You know. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's I think that's a good place to to wrap it up. Uh, is there mm-hmm. anything else you wanted to you wanted to say before um, I run through the credits here? No, I think I think we went through everything at this point. <laughs> literally everything yeah for uh, sure so, so um definitely look up some things that you can do like as far as like mm-hmm. maybe not necessarily charities in this situation but um look up ways you can correspond with your school correspond with um leadership and try to get changes made and try to make mm-hmm. sensible decisions that you've thought about and that you think would be good for not only you but could the community as a whole I agree completely. So this has been another episode of We're Not Experts But. Um, this show is produced by me. My name is Dar. Special thanks to Anaga for guest posting with me today. Um, and special thanks to Claire for helping me come up with the idea for um, the podcast as a whole. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. <laughs>